Okay, so you need candidates fast, and you're sick and tired of being nickeled and dimed to death. I totally get it. You should check out FlexPlan from Next. It's perfect for employers and staffing firms who are busy. They need candidates and flexible pricing now. FlexPlan is also perfect for recruitment ad agencies who need targeted distribution and tools to help demonstrate client ROI. If you're sick and tired of all the BS, hassle, and just want candidates now, check out Next and FlexPlan with over 70 million members. Next takes all of your jobs and puts each one in front of the best candidates and across their entire ecosystem. No muss, no fuss. Next does all the work and FlexPlan makes it cost effective. Check out everything Next has to offer at hiring.next.com. That's hiring.next.com. And if you like to save even more cash, just go to chadcheese.com, scroll down and click on the next logo, discounts aplenty. Remember, next with the double X, not the triple X. Hide your kids, lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. It's the hype cycle. Let's get ready to rumble. It's the uh, San Diego aircraft carrier outside my window edition <laughs> of this next exclusive. Uh, special guest today, guys. Uh, he's British, so there may be some translation needed. Uh, Nathan Parrott, VP Digital Marketing Solutions at AIA Worldwide. Woo-hoo! Nathan, cheers and welcome. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> so many of our listeners don't know who the hell you are. Uh, give us the... Uh, 140 to 280 character introduction of you and your company. Thanks. Uh, So, yeah, I work with clients to help them with their employer brand across uh, digital marketing and uh, technology and recruitment space, uh, focusing largely in TA uh, technologies. And uh, I work for AIA. We're a global leader in talent acquisition technologies, and we leverage our talent brew tech, our creative and our strategy to enhance clients' employer brands, basically, and try and redefine how employers and candidates are connecting. Excellent, man. So we're here today because you and I have been talking for a little while about this uh, rec tech hype cycle. Don't believe the hype. (laughs) Believe the rec tech hype cycle. What the hell is a rec tech hype cycle? Yeah, so it it started in 2015 and and we we kind of identified a a huge surge in the amount of recruitment technologies starting to pop up. Uh And we were inspired by Gartner's hype cycles, and they do a lot of HR emerging tech type things. But we we wanted to focus purely on recruitment technology and help our clients cut through the BS, really. And and that started by helping them understand the landscape of what's out there and seeing all these different technologies in recruitment. So we tried to map it out and used Gartner's hype cycle as a way of doing that. So it's got these five stages of, uh, of hype, essentially. You've got the first stage, which is the innovation trigger, where everyone's getting really excited about the types of tech that's out there. And, you know, you have things like chatbots and AI on there for a couple of years. I call that the bright and shiny stage. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's getting excited about how recruitment's going to mm-hmm. re- revolutionize, and then, then nothing ends up changing. Uh, and then you, you get the peak of inflated expectations 
stage, which is where the only people really talking about it are the companies that have invested in it or the VCs that have invested in yep. it. Yeah, yeah. I call that the bullshit overfloweth stage. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it starts to stink a little bit. That's right. Then you get the trough of disillusionment where uh, either the text failed and it ends up in there or sometimes it can pop in there and jump back onto the innovation trigger as the, the tech maybe gets repurposed or the type of technology gets pivoted somewhere mm-hmm. so qr codes being used as a call to action were in there for a bit before snapchat reinvented them and and, and the like that's the vaporware attained stage that's what i call it yeah if we were doing a brand one for this for, for the tech Tinder one. profile pick wasn't quite as good as the real <laughs> 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 That's exactly it. There's a few tech vendors in there, I reckon, at the moment. And then you hit this slope of enlightenment stage, which is where the technology starts to prove ROI in certain use cases. Uh, and what we've started to see over the last few years is that that part of the cycle is starting to get quite long and quite busy, particularly as new technologies are arising or the type of technology that we identified previously is split out into slightly more niche uses. That's the getting your shit together stage. Go ahead. Yeah. And then you've got the plateau of productivity, which is, okay, it's hit mass market uh, adoption. It's proven its case. Uh, and uh, you know most organizations are using it to attract talent in some way. Now, we, when we first started this, obviously, it was only our point of view to start with. And that section was a bit bigger than we thought. But as we started to crowdsource opinion and get clients and other tech vendors inside, that, that actually shrunk. And to be honest, you know, even you've got applicant tracking systems on there, but arguably they're doing the job these days. And I think that's kind of the point of this hype cycle is that not only is there a lot of stuff out there, not only can you not realistically afford to or integrate all of these things together, but there are some things on here that everybody's using that isn't actually fulfilling what it should be. And that's why other band-aids are being put on some of these solutions so that number five stage i have is buyer's remorse stage and we'll cover that don't worry about that um but but (laughs) the you know the big question i have is who in the community is making recruitment tech landscape complex because that's what it is people can't understand what the hell is going on so who's actually making it complex is it the vendors is it the employers not knowing what the hell they should be looking for research wise who's at fault here yeah i I think it's a a combination of factors i think uh the job of uh the recruiter the talent acquisition professional the hr generalists whoever you're talking to their job has changed somewhat in the last few years to become you know part technology advisor or, or at least uh assessor and IT obviously are getting much more involved in the procurement process nowadays for HR tech. And then you've got the technology vendors themselves who are probably making this the most confusing because they're talking about things that their tech does when in most cases that's not necessarily the case. Um, and it's, it's cutting between the sales and marketing fluff. There's a huge amount of... Uh, of investment in sales and marketing, particularly from the startup side of things nowadays. And and a lot of that money that they're raising is going into sales and marketing rather than product development. And, and you know, I, I commented on this after Unleash London recently when I talked to a few clients who had used some of the vendors there and uh, some of the uh, prospects and even some of the tech vendors uh-huh. themselves who are, you know, saying how they've raised some money and what it's going to be used for and kind of concerned me a little bit because I think, 
the ma- landscape's becoming much more homogenous, ironically, as each tech company tries to diversify more and more to get more of the, the landscape and try and become this one-stop shop, you know, one platform, if you like. Uh, and I know you guys have a view on that, the, the same that I do which is, you know, th- there isn't going to be a, a single vendor that provides all of these these solutions. And you kind of have to pick what's important to you and understand what's going to make the biggest difference to your talent acquisition strategy before you go and buy any, you know, tech that... that well, don't go telling uh, Microsoft and Google that there's not going to be one solution. But I'd like to uh, <laughs> switch gears a little bit because... We have listeners who can't see the actual sort of curve and, and where things are on this. So I want to give some context to what we're talking about on your hype cycle. And I've also, uh, I was, was also reminded um, by a, a Seth Godin book for the readers of Seth Godin out there, a book called The Dip, which is sort of a little bit like the, the hype cycle as well. But just for the listeners out there, some context. So you have at the early stages sort of going up the initial slope, things like quantum computing, smart spaces, augmented analytics. I mean, this is like early, early stuff that even we've never talked about on the show probably. Uh, as you go up there, up the curve, you're looking at virtual reality stuff. You're looking at 360 video, uh, voice-activated job search, your voice assistance. Um, and then as the curve goes down, um, you have at the beginning of the, uh, I guess, the third stage where things are sort of starting to be proven um, you have uh, chat bots, uh, you have your autonomous stuff, your interactive video, you're moving up the, the chart here a little bit uh, with social messaging apps, uh, onboarding platforms. And then as we go into the, the stuff that's sort of been proven, you're looking at SMS messaging, you're looking at ATSs, you're looking at pay-per-click, things like that. So I wanted to give some context to, my, to our listeners about where things are right now on your on your bell curve my question however the thing that stood out glaringly to me was you have qr codes and chat bots side by side um and to me qr codes unless this is a european thing qr codes to me are off the chart like they're, they shouldn't even be on the curve and chat bots to me are sort of on the elevated uh going up the hype curve as opposed to have, have already fallen and then working its way up there. So what are your thoughts on, I guess, the QR code, where you put them and where, like, where did you, uh, where was the thought process in terms of putting chat bots at sort of the, the downslope and going up the, uh, the proven curve? Yeah. So, so chat bots is a, well, let me start with QR codes. Cause I think that's a fairly quick one. QR codes mm-hmm. is like a re-entry, if you like, that was on the trough of disillusionment for a couple of years. And then we, we started to use them and see them be used a lot with Snapchats specifically. Um, for uh, engaging with early years audiences, early careers audiences. Um, but in China, QR codes are hugely used for uh, for WeChat and for engaging out there. And, and obviously, that's a huge audience. Um, so we, we think there's potential there in those situations. But I think they were misused. You know, they, we saw, um, we've saw we seen posters on the underground here in London with QR codes. And of course, you can't use them if you've got no yeah. internet access. And in those days, there was no internet access on the, the underground. <laughs> So uh, it's it's like a lot of these things that the technology is not necessarily bad. It just gets misused. And and that takes me into chatbots where uh, I I, I tend to call them shatbots. (laughs) Shit chatbots. Damn it, why did we come up with that? There are a lot of chatbots, particularly in the UK. (laughs) 
Um, but, uh, you know, they, they're, they're not even chatbots. Some of them are de- decision tree based. So, you know, the user's selecting a load of me- uh, sort of menu options, if you like, and they're just sort of replacing website or poor website hier- uh, na- navigation and mm-hmm. hierarchy. And, and even the chatbots that you do engage with where some of these startups are saying, oh, yeah, brilliant. We've got now got a chatbot because someone's released some open source code that we can use. We have a chatbot, everybody chuck one of these on your career site. And and that they're, they're just not creating a good candidate experience. The brand is being impacted by a negative candidate experience. And we're very passionate about making sure that chatbots do the job that they're intended for. Now, there's a whole range of use of, and chatbots is probably the wrong word, actually. Maybe it should just be bots now because there are different ways that you can use that technology, whether it's in you know candidate engagement whether it's in candidate concierge mm-hmm. to help them through the application process, whether it's job discovery or FAQs, you know, there's a whole whole multi-use uh, of, of bots. And that alone could probably have its own cycle. But the impact of making sure that you uh, create a great brand experience to positively impact on your employer brand through those things is very hard to do. You know, you have to have structured mm-hmm. data, you have to have lots of it. Uh, you have to give the chatbot time to, to learn. You have to negatively train it as well. Um, and and I think some of the vendors that are just plugging in these, you know, free or open source platforms that are easy to create decision tree based things aren't necessarily thinking about that. So my advice to anyone who's looking at a chatbot should really consider how this is going to work from a, an experience point of view, how it's going to get trained, what's the data looking like that it's going to read the answers to the questions from, because you can't just sit there and think of 20 questions that someone might ask. You've really got to think about it. I think that's a really healthy counterpoint to probably what we've been getting a lot of, which is you know, high reply rates, high open rates, anti-ghosting magic. Uh, those kinds of things have been surrounded by chatbots, but your contention is that not so much. They're just now they're just now on the slope of enlightenment to convince people that they can be a, a productivity tool. I've seen I've seen some really good uses of them. Some you know good chatbot vendors out there who have done. They really understand the candidate space. They really understand structured data. They understand what they're trying to achieve and work with the client and or their agency partner to create a really branded experience so some some people have done them in-house you know there's there's organizations in the uk that have done an excellent job but unfortunately the majority of people are, are just trying to innovate in inverted commas and trying to get a shiny thing on their career site exactly well, i mean and, and isn't that one of the big problems is that a, a vendor instead of i mean a, a company comes to them and they wants to they want to talk about the bright and shiny they don't even know what the hell the bright and shiny is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then a vendor, they go toward their hot button and that hot button isn't focused on a solution. Um, so therefore, the, it's all about the bright and shiny, which is going to obviously dull and fade, which means overall retention of that client is going to be incredibly low because they weren't focusing on a solution in the first place. What was the problem yeah. that you're trying to, I mean, yeah. what's the gap you're yeah. trying to bridge? What the hell is going on? So from your standpoint, are you seeing many companies coming in, mo- many prospective uh, clients and or clients coming in, asking questions that are not solution oriented, but mainly bright and shiny product oriented? Uh, sometimes. Uh, yeah, that, that can happen. Um, and, you know, to a, to a point, there might be an argument for saying, you know, if you want to be known for innovation, you have to be known to, to innovate and, and to, to do the PR around it. L'Oreal's done a great job at that over the years. Um, 
but most most organizations uh can be oversold the the dream of what these technologies are going to do for them and my three ar uh, my three sort of overhypes from last year were chatbots ai mm -hmm. and crm i think they're three and ai is not necessarily in the same bucket as those two because in theory ai could help with chatbots yeah. and crm but i'm not sure how much real ai there is in those at the moment but um the, the the reality is, um, you know, particularly with CRM, it's one of those uh, quick reach solutions where I think organizations think, yes, we, we need to move towards a CRM strategy. We need uh, an inbound recruitment marketing strategy. CRM is going to be the technology to do that. And they, they, they forget about thinking about the strategy, you know, the audience segmentation, the content strategy. How are you going to stop the talent uh -huh. pool stagnating? How are you going to validate it? The resource Who's going to do it? Do we have the right bandwidth? Do we need a sourcing team rather than a, a reactive recruitment team, as well as instead of how we're going to switch that balance? Do they have the time, the skills? You know, sourcing and inbound recruitment marketing through a CRM is really, really complex and takes a lot of time, and you need great, compelling content. There we go with right. the brand again. And, and But most people go for the tech, which is the last thing you should do once you figure those things out. And we go for the tech plug it in. I hear this yeah. from clients. I hear it from the CRM vendors themselves. Uh, we've got it. We're not using all of its capability. The vendor says, yeah, the client's got it, but they're only using 10% of the capability. You think, well, not, you know, not kidding. You've just gone straight to the end to the silver bullet and, and it's not working. Exactly. Well, and that's not a silver bullet. I mean, we see this with applicant tracking systems all the time. We were in a room full of people at Sherman Nashville and we asked how many how many companies are happy with their applicant tracking systems hardly any sure. hardly any hands went up number yeah. one number two number two most of those companies are possibly using five percent of the capabilities of those platforms in the first place so they're they're not happy with something they're using five percent of yeah exactly it, it, it makes no sense to me whatsoever and they want to start layering new technologies on top of <laughs> the applicant tracking system that's not working for them. Yeah. What the fuck are they thinking? Especially considering how much they're spending on some of these solutions. Yeah, especially an applicant tracking system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the fuck me, man. <laughs> the um, I, I think one of the challenges with um, that I've identified, and I don't know if this is something you guys have, have recognized, but Mm -hmm. Most recruitment technology is software as a service. Uh, it's obviously going to have a recurring fee, but the, the way the platforms are built is designed to be maybe configurable to a degree, but primarily it is what it is, particularly mm -hmm. with applicant tracking systems. Whereas uh, organizations that are buying them have very different, very um, disparate structures to how they recruit, how they approach TA, and trying to find that middle ground between a very rigid SaaS platform and a process right. that you want to or think is the right process and trying to make that work with that system. Uh, I think there has to be a bit of give and take. And it's difficult because, you know, do you, do you buy a system that is regarded as a great system and ch change your your resourcing strategy, your your model, your, your TA model, and, and possibly your headcount and the types of skills and talent that you hire to that system probably not a good idea, but you might have to go some way to that. Or do you select a vendor that matches your TA model that uh, maybe isn't best in class, or but, but is a little bit more flexible? And I think that's where some of the, the middle ground vendors might 
might win. But whether that's good for their business or not to adapt yeah. and customize their SaaS platform for a client. I, I've heard some horror stories of you know technology vendors, even big enterprise ATSs, configuring their platform or customizing their platform for a client to get to a point where they say, look, we can't service this anymore because it costs us too much money. So we're not going to continue. And the client's thinking, okay, well, now I've gone all the way down this route. I've paid for all this customization and now I'm going to have to migrate anyway. Um, so it's, it's a real difficult balance, I think, because we're moving into this you know, software as a service powered tech model. Hey, Nathan, I'm, I'm curious about sort of you know, to be more of the death, the death pool of this, of this, of this whole hype cycle. And I'm wondering where, you know, like, you know, job boards might fit on this, on this curve and, and even going further back to newspaper ads or, <laughs> or print, like what, what happens once you plateau and then things fade? What are your opinions on that? I think, I think some things, you know, get reborn, you know, so job boards are going through that that kind of uh, identity change at the moment, you know, what are they going to be? And, and that's why, you know, the likes of some of the job boards are buying tech or acquiring tech to try and diversify or get a different piece of the, the TA tech landscape. Um, so, you know, whether, whether job boards exist as they do today or not, you know, I think we can guess mm-hmm. what might happen. Um so it's your recommendation that a business should always try to be somewhere on the hype curve to always be viable or relevant? Yeah, and I think you've got to be I think you've got to be looking at the innovation trigger as well because you need to be pushing boundaries and, and looking at some of this emerging tech to, to see how it can to can play. But I think some of the challenges in you know, uh, Todd, our VP of innovation and labs at, at AIA mm-hmm. globally, um, he, he's been looking at the HR tech investment landscape for a number of years now and and he shares that information with us. And you know, two, three years ago we were looking at quite a low uh, average round of investment, which wasn't really significant to secure the longevity of a, a technology business, but that has significantly increased over the last few years, um, which shows a bit, bit bit more of maturity in the space. Um, it's probably more now what's considered smart money. So you've got people investing in the technology that have a heritage and background in HR or recruitment technologies. Um, so I think there's there's definitely um, a change happening. But, it, you know, is it a significant amount of money so that AI can truly be adopted in recruitment or blockchain or even quantum computing? And I can't even explain what that is. So uh, I just know it's a bit better than AI. Um so, you know, I think I think some of these things will be reborn. I think some will drop off. You know, will we need search engine pay-per-click marketing with the growth of programmatic? But that's having its challenges at the moment. Um, personalization. And this we, we're having this constant battle at the moment in uh, digital marketing of, you know, data privacy and ownership of data and, and not being targeted. And, and the platforms like Facebook battling for, ad revenue not wanting to piss the advertisers off but at the same token they're being they're getting pressure from governments and from users that they want more protection of the data so now facebook has reduced its targeting again and again over the last year or so to a point now we say well you know 
is it as effective as it was or what the promise is? Yeah, and no. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It won't be. I mean, and, and I take a look at job boards. So let's take a look at job boards real quick before we talk about what's going on with targeting Facebook and, and how they're kind of setting a bad precedent, I think, for the industry is that, you know, there there's a ton of investment that's being poured into job boards. And I believe the reason behind that has nothing to do with their current technology. It has no. to do with the data. Yes, absolutely. And also the uh, the information and and the opportunity, not to mention the revenue streams they already have in place. So to be able to pivot a revenue stream into something entirely new, obviously that's not easy from an adoption standpoint, but it's easier to do that than try to build an entire revenue stream from the ground up, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think that's one of the, one of the things that we could be seeing with, uh, hopefully successfully, or maybe not so much in some cases from a job board standpoint, but from Facebook, they have data, they have shit tons of data. Um, but I, I really think they are making a very bad decision, um, in not focusing on policing and mm -hmm. cracking down on bad actors. And they're saying, well, we'll just take tools away and make this <laughs> this this targeting really just like everybody else's, where they had yep. a hell of an opportunity just to kill the market, much like Google. But now they're they're waving it away. Do you think that that'll come back, or do you think now that they've gotten rid of it, that's like now nah, that shit ain't coming back for the for Facebook? I think it's a it's a difficult one to call because I, I think fa the Facebook platform is as we know it, you know, Facebook.com. Right. Uh, I think that that's that's going to suffer. Uh, I think it already has from our user base. The the sort of network that's behind it, the advertising network and uh, Instagram's its its holy grail yes, right now. Yes. Whatever it really truly unlocks with WhatsApp could be could be a key to its its uh, success in the future. But you know, its its advertising network with in game advertising is huge, hugely successful, and and can be extremely relevant. Uh, how how that will play out in the future, I, I don't know. And um, just coming back to your your future of job boards, I mean, there's a number of job boards in 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 the UK, particularly some of the big ones actually, and and I, I mean traditional job boards rather than aggregators. But right, the the, the candidate experience is is absolutely horrific because in yes. this need to gather data, they're making mm -hmm. candidates go through this sort of interstitial login platform where. You know, yeah. you click to apply for the job, you fill in this registration, you think you've applied, and then finally it sends you through to the actual ATS where you need to click on the apply button again. And mm. you're thinking, well, how is that creating a good candidate experience? It's not. And no. you know, part of my job and my team's jobs are to, to look at that whole whole experience. And I can tell you now, you know, looking at the source data from, uh, from all our clients' uh, sources of applications and hires and, and traffic, that Job boards aren't, aren't, they're not up there. Uh, we've got organic search from Google, even Bing in some cases. Um, you've got Indeed, still still f very successful. And Google for mm. Jobs is one of the, the most emerging uh, areas now. And I think, you know, you combine that with what the big three firms of Google, Facebook, and Microsoft are up to at the moment. And you, you're looking at a place where, do you know what? It's going to be really difficult for job boards to compete. Nathan, uh, show recently presented our uh, TA Tech, you know, video and voice were sort of big, big topics of conversation. And we heard, you know, how much 
search is done through video, how much of the internet consumption will be video going forward. And of course, we see large platforms like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, et cetera, YouTube, sort of being the backbone for a lot of that. But what is your opinion in terms of, say, video and voice assistance becoming a thing um, in in your hype chart and some of the startups that you're seeing in those areas? Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, video video has always been big, but I think it's it's even bigger now. And when five G finally launches, at least in the UK, we're we're going to see a, an even bigger adoption of it. So I, we're encouraging a lot of our clients to migrate to a video first strategy when it comes to their content, because you know, written content is just not getting read nowadays. It's anything over a paragraph of you know, 140 characters and, and podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me read. <laughs> Which takes me nicely onto audio. Yeah. Um, voice assistance is is going to be huge. I think um, is we're currently in that sort of innovation trigger of what's going to come first. You know, do you build the, the the infrastructure before the users come, or do you need the mar- mass market adoption? There's no doubt about it that as a consumer device, it, it's increasing and, and is huge. Um, we've seen. What, what I would call a very broken end-to-end candidate experience on the Amazon Echo with some of the skills that have been created. So you can get career inspiration advice. Lee Hecht Harrison's done a great job at providing career inspiration advice. You've got uh, interview practice skills you've got job search skills but they've all got their flaws you know there's all there's a little bit of it that's not quite perfect yet yeah zip Zip recruiter did a great job with their app but you know you still have to have the adoption but the reality is you can search for job and apply for it by saying three things um and and i think voice assistants are going to be huge and which kind of takes me on to the growth of bing you know we've very much got bing on our radar at the moment because it's powering the search results for uh, Alexa, Cortana, and for Siri, uh, although I think Siri's probably flailing behind at the moment no. as far as voice assistants go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I hope that was for Chad and not for me. Yeah, that's always that's always for me. <laughs> so um, and and you know there, there will be a, a surge in that. No, there's no doubt. Um, uh, so we, but the the thing with voice assistance is again you've got to have structured data. So when you're looking at job descriptions, when you're looking at the content on your career site, you it's all got to have very well structured data for those uh, voice assistants to be able to understand it in context and to be able to find that information to make it discoverable for you. Uh, and that's what we're focusing on at the moment is making sure that everything we build whether it's a job description imported from an ATS with additional content on is is structured in a way that whether it's a voice assistant or a chatbot can be read and understood in the context of what the question mm-hmm. is being asked. And that will help with discoverability and, and, um, and the like. So yeah, very much. So those two things are, are huge and you know, you said it audio and podcasts are having a huge resurgence at the moment. You go back 10 years, they probably would have been on the innovation trigger and hit the trough of disillusionment. Yep. But in the last two, three years, they've Mobile really found a great podcast like this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, all, all, all very positive. I think in that, that case is, uh, is sourcing on this chart. I don't, I don't see it. In in what context? So I'm curious about, you know, sourcing is obviously hot. You have Intello, Intello Seek Out, Hiring yeah. Solved, et cetera. So I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm sort of curious where they put them, yeah. where they would so, sit on the so cycle. So I've kind of got social media sourcing platforms there in the middle of the slope of enlightenment, um, which okay. is, is kind of those those tools. Um, but again, it's 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 how we how we uh, 
take some of those tools and as they evolve we need to sort of define what they are without sort of using a brand name or, or a company name you've also got uh, ai talent uh, ai and big data talent identification which could be that sounds like a matching almost like a matching kind of a scenario <laughs> yeah so you're kind of lands a bit like some tools out there that will help you understand the talent landscape, use the data that's out there, uh, as well as your own data to try and match the talent um, based on that market. Now, you might need a combination of those technologies to actually uh, get out in front of your audience. And then you've got to think about, well, how do we actually get in front of someone who's not not necessarily looking for a job? And, and that's where I don't think a conventional recruiter necessarily or certainly the majority of recruiters uh, don't necessarily know how to engage that way because they're just trying to sell the job. And that person's not not even got that employer or a job move on their radar. They need to be warmed up a, a bit with some top of the funnel content, you know, some thought leadership, some interesting content that helps them just get them engaged and aware. So, you know, that, that that's where I see that, that being a challenge. Yeah. Some nurturing. Nurturing, oh, yes, man. good word. <laughs> Nathan... Nathan, thanks for your time today, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, for anyone that wants to know more about you or AIA, where would you send them? Uh, AIA.co.uk is probably the best bet. You can get hold of all of us on there or you can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Check we out. Hi, this is Stella Cheeseman. Thanks for listening to the Cheese and Chad podcast. Or at least that's what I call it. Anyway... Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, that silly Android phone thingy, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to give buckets of money to our sponsors. Otherwise, I may be forced to take that coal mining job I saw on Monster.com. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.